Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have a special edition this week as we're going to talk about the D-Day landings. This is the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings. And at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., there's a project we've been working on for the past 10 years. In fact, I'm looking at one of the press releases that we released on June 1st of 2011, and it indeed was the uh, prayer addition to the memorial. It was uh, then uh, Congressman Bill Johnson of Ohio's 6th District introduced, which was H.R. 2070, and veterans from Ohio uh, signed a petition to ha- have FDR's D-Day prayer added at the World War II Memorial in its entirety and uh, to give lasting tribute to those uh, military personnel who served us in World War II. The beautiful World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. that sits between the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial on the Mall in Washington, dedicated in 2004, uh, is a wonderful tribute to the 16 million Americans who served us in World War II. There's one problem with it, though. Unlike other monuments and memorials in Washington, it has no reference to God, prayer, or scripture verse anywhere on it. Well, (laughs) we've remedied that by adding FDR's D-Day prayer, and um, it took a congressional act, of course, moving through the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate, and signed by uh, President Obama in 2014, uh, what was called the World War II uh, Prayer Act, and uh, Senator Portman was the uh, chief sponsor in the U.S. Senate. And we're going to talk about that. With us on the phone is OCA board member Al Davis, and uh, he was with us a couple of years ago when we dedicated the prayer plaque at the World War II Memorial at the Circle Remembrance area. And some of you have already been down to D.C. and have been with us uh, also following some of our video uh, updates about uh, reading the prayer at the Circle Remembrance. And it's really just a promissory note uh, for the full prayers edition in a very grand way. And uh, it's taking seven, several million dollars, actually, in uh, total upgrades of marble uh, placement and new granite benches and bronze plates. Uh, all of that will happen later this year with construction as the design phase is uh, finalizing. And, of course, uh, major funding came in through the Lilly Endowment Foundation. Of course, many of you gave uh, contributions, uh, some $5, 10 15 $50, $100, Small contributions came in from veterans and family groups all across the country. We were able to present a $20,000 check uh, to the friends at that time. We also directed many people to their website to give uh, to the effort. So thanks to all that, we're going to see this prayer added at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. My wife, Sylvie, and I had the opportunity on Sunday to be at the World War II Memorial for the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings, and we met with some wonderful veterans there and members of the Friends. And it was a smaller uh, ceremony this year uh, due to the fact that COVID-19 kept uh, still over this last year people from coming uh, to some of these public ceremonies. 
But this was one of the first public ceremonies that they had uh, at the World War II Memorial. But next year, what we're saying is next year, join us, because on June 6th of next year in Washington, D.C., on the Mall, we will be observing the 78th anniversary of the D-Day landings, and there still will be a number of World War II veterans with us that will be in a present and in observance of it, and then, of course, we'll be able to dedicate the prayers permanent edition at the World War II Memorial. Let's go to a floor speech that Senator Rob Portman gave on Monday in observance of the uh, 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings and also talked about the D-Day prayers placement at the memorial. Let's go to Senator Portman. I'm here on the floor of the Senate this evening to commemorate the 77th anniversary of D-Day. This was a huge turning point in World War II, of course. The invasion of Normandy uh, occurred 77 years ago yesterday. Historian Douglas Brinkley wrote that D-Day was both the single most important moment in the 20th century and one of the most tragic, too, in terms of loss of life. I think he was right. 160,000 soldiers crossed the channel that day to begin the campaign to recapture Europe from Hitler's rule. On their backs were rucksacks with 80 pounds of gear, but so too was the fate of all of us, our allies in Europe, really the fate of the free world. And many of our best and brightest young Americans did fall that day. We lost more than 10,000 men in one day. The Nazis had spent two years fortifying the coast to prepare for this moment. It was Hitler's so-called Atlantic Wall. The beautiful coastline of northern France was covered in barbed wire, landmines, and bunkers. But at the end of the largest amphibious invasion in history, we stood victorious, battered, but not broken. On we marched through France, through Belgium, and finally into Germany itself. But even today, amid the flowers and fields of Normandy, I've been there, many of you have been there listening tonight, you can feel, even today, the lingering presence of those who died that day in the service of liberating Europe. And you can see it in the stark, orderly U.S. military cemeteries, where row after row of white crosses and stars of David commemorate those brave souls who were lost, representing lives lost in a noble cause. And though much has happened in the following 77 years, we can never lose sight of the valor and the sacrifice by our armed forces on that one day. On Memorial Day, about a week ago, I I spoke at the National Veterans Memorial and Museum in Columbus, Ohio. It was a hopeful day for me, not just to have so many people together as we emerged from COVID-19, really the first big public event they have had, but also to see the generations of veterans and family members there to honor the fallen. World War II veterans, Gulf War veterans, Korean War veterans, Vietnam veterans, and veterans, of course, from Afghanistan and Iraq. They represented the living embodiment of the stories we ought to be remembering from a war that recedes further into the past with every passing year. Stories of valor like that displayed by Jim Pee Wee Martin from Dayton, Ohio. On that day, he and the rest of the the 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment parachuted behind German lines in the dark of pre-dawn. Jim was wounded, but fought bravely, earning both the Purple Heart and the Bronze Star for his efforts. Stories of sacrifice like that of the Napier brothers of Warren County in southwest Ohio, county my mom is from. All five of the brothers served in the war, and two of the five brothers landed at D-Day. One died there on the beaches, never to return to his Ohio home. 
There are stories to be preserved for generations to come. The memory of D-Day and indeed all of World War II must never be lost. Since I've been here in the United States Senate, I've often come to the floor on D-Day to recite the special prayer that was given that day by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It was expected, of course, that FDR would give a speech when the invasion took place, one of his fireside chats from the White House. But for some reason, FDR was moved to prayer. The famous prayer that he gave that day has become known as the D-Day prayer. It is a powerful statement, my favorite presidential statement, and one that deserves to be remembered for generations to come. In 2013, I introduced legislation called the World War II Memorial Prayer Act, which directs the Secretary of the Interior to install a plaque to be placed at the World War II Memorial on the National Mall with the words of the D-Day prayer. It's a beautiful memorial, but frankly, some more interpretation wouldn't be a bad thing. And having that prayer there, as you'll see in a moment when we recite it, would be an appropriate way to pay tribute to those who lost their lives that day. It was Ohio Christian Alliance President Chris Long who first came to me with the idea of a plaque displaying this historic prayer. That legislation was actually signed into law with the help of Senator Joe Lieberman on a bipartisan basis. We got it passed in 2014. The Friends of National World War II Memorial and the National Park Service have since that time worked with us to develop and refine the final permanent plaque design. Most recently, they received design approvals from the Commission of Fine Arts and the National Capital Planning Commission. It takes a while to get things done on the National Mall, I found. There's uh, quite a process. It has now been seven years, longer than World War II itself, and despite the hurdles, we have yet to see the final plaque installed. But it will be done, by the way, not at any cost to the taxpayers meaning private fundraising, not taxpayer dollars, will be used. We had hoped to have the final plaque in place for the 75th anniversary. In the meantime, in 2019, we were able to have a temporary plaque in place with the words of the prayer at the permanent location for the permanent plaque, which is at the Circle of Remembrance next to the World War II Memorial. If you're on the Mall and you're coming from the Capitol, it'll be on your right. So it is north of the World War II Memorial, but right next to it. And in this very uh, beautiful place, the Circle of Remembrance, a good place to sit and reflect, you will see right now the plaque is there, and you can read the prayer. The permanent plaque will be even bigger and will allow even more people to have access to it. I encourage people to go see that plaque. By the way, I think it's the only prayer on display on our National Mall. The temporary plaque, by the way, was generously donated to the friends of the National World War, by the Friends of the National World War II Memorial. We're very hopeful that the permanent plaque will be placed at the circle next year. I want to thank the Lilly Endowment for their generous support of this project, by the way. Last October, they provided a $2 million grant for the construction and installation of the permanent plaque. And this committed financial support will be critical to finally bringing the project across the line. The fact that a prayer was offered that day by our Commander-in-Chief is historic in and of itself. But it's the content of the prayer that makes it so worthy of remembrance. And that was Senator Portman on the Senate floor on Monday in observance of the 77th anniversary of D-Day. And we, of course, we are humbled and honored that the Senator mentioned the efforts of the Ohio Christian Alliance uh, in this legislation to add this wonderful historical presidential prayer as a permanent addition to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., for the honor of 
of all those who serve bravely uh, our country for the cause of freedom. Now with me on the phone is Pastor Al Davis, and we will be reading the prayer for you. This is the prayer that FDR prayed with the nation over the airwaves on the evening of the D-Day landings, and of course, the the history tells us that over 100 million people worldwide heard him as he went to the airwaves that night. He stated, Last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, Almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer, but because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength too, strength in our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travail, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons wheresoever they may be. And, O Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in Thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters, of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. And with thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity 
that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. That was FDR on June 6th of 1944, praying with the nation, and indeed praying with the people of the world as over 100 million worldwide heard that over the wireless. And it was the way in which people found out that the liberation of Europe was underway by the Allied forces who had launched a, a, a beachhead at Normandy. Pastor Al, I'm always moved when we read that prayer, and we want it to be a teaching tool of history for years to come, for young people to come, and people to come from all across America to come to Washington to see the monuments of Jefferson and Lincoln and uh, Washington and to visit the World War II Memorial and the Vietnam Memorial and the Korean War Memorial, and then to read this prayer at the Circle of Remembrance and contemplate what those who sacrifice so much for the cause of freedom have done, and this prayer helps to teach that very thing. Your thoughts? I agree, Chris, and when we think about it, it's more than the strength of arms, it's more than the training of our troops. It's a reminder that without God, you know, the, the, it's, there is no purpose, there is no hope. Uh, we fight in vain. I put in our church bulletin this past Sunday on the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings. I quoted Psalm 44, verse 3, which I wasn't initially going to use, but the more I thought about it, the more I think it echoed just what you're saying and what's encapsulated in FDR's prayer, because it says, For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. And I believe that this prayer is a reminder with all the turbulence and things going on in the world, as people come into that circle of remembrance, and they can contemplate those words and remember it's because of God's right hand and God's arm and the light of God's countenance. God had favor on those men that they were successful and were able to preserve our freedoms. You know, the Bible talks about the importance of laying down stones and landmarks and uh, times and places of remembrance of what God has done. You know, our good friend Bill Fetter that will be coming up in a few minutes and will be talking about the history, of course, uh, World War II, and of course the rise of Nazi Germany and the tyranny that was across Europe, and then of course the Allies uh, working together to fight against tyranny. But the Bible talks about times of which we need to make markers, markers of remembrance, markers of history. And so that's what this is all about, with this D-Day prayer being added at the World War II Memorial. You know, it was just 10 years ago, Pastor, that I woke up one morning with an idea that God inspired me. I said to my wife, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to ask Congressman Bill Johnson to offer legislation to add FDR's D-Day prayer at the World War II Memorial. And I said, besides, what good Democrat could vote against FDR? So I knew that it would have broad bipartisan support. And you know, this 
this effort really has brought people together. When Senator Portman introduced it in the Senate, uh, there was uh, Joseph Lieberman, a Democrat, of course, uh, from the East Coast, who joined him, and, and several times they prayed the prayer together and read the prayer together on the Senate floor. And there was broad bipartisan support in both the House and the Senate back in 2014. In fact, unanimous consent. That almost never happens. I mean, that's a miracle in and of itself, and we've seen so many miracles along the way of having this prayer making its way to an addition uh, at the memorial. In fact, as Senator Portman said, he said, I've learned quite a bit of all the loops and hoops that you got to go through to have something added uh, to the the uh, mall in Washington as part of a lasting tribute. And that tells you that it's no small task, and this really is a significant effort, isn't it, Pastor? Oh, absolutely. And I think that uh, not only did God give you the the inspiration, the idea, but he also raised up the people in the form of Representative Johnson and Senator Portman and Senator Lieberman and others, and many others, yes. that got behind the effort and then raised up the the uh, desire amongst people that had made contributions. And then finally, of course, your final contributions that brought it all together. I, I think we see the Lord's hand in this. We we do we really do, and you know, on Sunday we were down there again, and with some veterans, and uh, we were actually talking to Major David Moses, and he was originally from the Sudan. In fact, he was as a boy he was persecuted. In fact, the Lost Boys of Sudan, Pastor, you may remember that story. He was one of them when he came to this country after being persecuted as a young Christian young man in his own country. The first thing he wanted to do was serve in our U.S. military. Military. And so when he became of age, he applied for that at ROTC program. He has served in Iraq honorably, He's still serving as a major in the U.S. Army. And uh, we just had a wonderful time of fellowship with him. We actually read the prayer with him with a friend of ours, Greg Quinlan, who came in from New Jersey for the weekend uh, and was lobbying in Washington for other pro-life, pro-family uh, concerns. And the three of us read the prayer together. And the senator told me, he said he was visiting the prayer plaque that's there, again, as a promissory note until the full prayer is added. Uh, Again, this plaque is down there, and it's the full prayer, but it's a smaller version. And uh, and he said he, when he went up to it, there were people that were reading it. And it's funny how people find this thing, because right now it's kind of tucked away to the side. It's going to get a major upgrade with marble and in a very grand way. But right now it's just uh, some old rustic bus- bushes and uh, benches with bushes, and it's a little hidden way. But people seem to find it. So, you know, God is being glorified. Pastor, your thoughts? Oh, absolutely, Chris. And again, what you said, God is being glorified because when we look at, as you pointed out earlier, no mention of God, no prayer, nothing, no Bible scripture of any kind anywhere in the World War II uh, monument, which is a beautiful monument, one of the more uh, beautiful monuments, I think, one of the more stirring monuments, but this complete lack of mention of God and how God stirred up the desire to see this as his name there, to see his uh, testimony, a testimony, I should say, to God's hand uh, to be added. And uh, so he's sure it's an exciting thing. Absolutely. And we'll all be there next year, and we'll give you more updates as we go along. But the good news is we're getting there, and we're very close, and now we're within one year. Go to ddayprayerproject.org to learn more, to hear the whole story again. D-Day 
prayerproject.org. Well, stay tuned. On the other side, we're going to be talking to our good friend Bill Federer and his part in all of this as a historian and an educator of history and how that kind of inspired all this. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Bill Federer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue and we're back, and we're going to have our good friend Bill Fetter. And again, this is a special program about the D-Day Prayer uh, Project at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. And of course, as we just observed, the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings, I want to read to you uh, one of the testimonies from the American Legion. And they actually gave supporting testimony to the House version. And this is what they said, The purpose of memorials is not solely to remember the sacrifices of those who have gone before, but to give strength and encouragement to future generations for eternity. The words of the prayer could not be more apt and should inspire Americans to let our hearts be stout, to wait out the long travail, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons wheresoever they may be. And it says the American Legion stands, uh, thanks uh, the leadership uh, for offering this legislation to add the prayer at the memorial. That was the American Legion, their testimony before Congress uh, Back to 2011, it takes a while to get things through Congress, folks, and then, of course, to get them added to the mall in Washington. This was the statement we made in 2013 
Uh, when it passed the Senate, President Roosevelt's prayer articulated the great crusade that was underway to liberate millions suffering under tyranny. He honored the war effort and paid tribute to the fallen and those veterans who fought courageously in the conflict. It is only fitting that succeeding generations learn of this prayer that was offered at that most poignant moment in our nation's history. We are encouraged by the support that this legislation is receiving. Of course, uh, it did receive broad bipartisan support, passed in both chambers, signed by the president, and now seven years later we've finally gotten the funding and the final approvals and we're on to uh, the final phase and the construction should begin by the end of this year and dedication uh, by June of next year. And of course, how did this all happen? Well, historians and authors have a part to play, and one who encouraged us and has been a great inspiration and an educator to us who follow the American Minute is our good friend Bill Fetter, of course. And one day I woke up and I was uh, uh, reading the American Minute that day, and it happened to be June 6th, and it was, lo and behold, the D-Day prayer. And I'm reading it, and then I Googled it, and then I thought, wow, you can actually hear FDR's audio of how he prayed the prayer with the nation on June 6, 1944. It was kind of lost in history. The previous generation, the greatest generation, knew of the prayer, but uh, some of us baby boomers weren't that familiar with it. In fact, the only time we'd ever heard it was in the early edition of Anne Frank's diary a movie uh, in the late 50s, early 60s. They played a portion of it uh, on the radio broadcast. They're all huddled in their uh, or hideaway as Jews, and that's how they learned that the Allies had finally uh, launched a front uh, in the West on the Norman coast, and of course the liberation wouldn't be too long away. Unfortunately for the Frank family, it didn't come in time as all of them perished in the ovens as uh, the uh, Germans uh, continued their what they called the final solution and the Holocaust of the Jews. And of course, that's why these men and women were fighting for the cause of liberty and to set free a suffering humanity. Well, Bill Fetter put out again this week on the American Minute uh, about World War II and, of course, the D-Day landings. Bill, welcome to the program. Chris, great to be with you. Good to be with you, my friend. And uh, again, we're looking forward to having you down in D.C. next year for the dedication of all this. You were there two years ago when we put the plaque in. By the way, it's still there, Bill. Uh, it was only supposed to be there for four months, but, you know, uh, bureaucracy sometimes works in our favor. They just forgot to come and pull it back out. So it's been a promissory note until the full prayer is added, uh, which will be later this year in a dedication in uh, June from uh, June of next year. So we're looking forward to you being with us. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for championing this cause. It's so vitally important to put down there in stone this prayer for future generations. And you were the one to go through all of the efforts to make it happen. So uh, I've mentioned you all across the country, and I applaud your great work. Well, thank you, Bill. Let's talk about World War II, because, you know, it wasn't really until I read some of your material that we learned that uh, World War II was really the um, uh, connection to World War I. It was like, from the Germans' perspective, it was unfinished business because they had so much resentment after World War I as they were blamed for the outbreak of World War I, and all that resentment actually uh, made quite a havoc in the world as World War II would be the um, aftermath of that. Tell us about it. Right, so the big evil was called reparations. So Germany was forced to pay reparations to all the other countries. 
and they didn't have any money. They had lost the war, and so they inflated their mark, their dollar, and they were paying it back with these worthless marks. Uh, unfortunately, when you, inf- when you print lots of currency, it causes all, everyone's savings to evaporate, and the purchasing power goes down. And so it was, you see pictures of the 19, you know, the 30s where they would have wheelbarrows full of paper, current paper marks, and they couldn't buy anything. Kids would make little houses in their backyards out of them. Men would get paid at lunchtime and would throw piles of this money out the window to their wife who would run down to the grocery store and try to buy something because by the end of the day, the prices would have gone through the roof and it was worthless. And so in the middle of this crisis, you have someone... Uh, that starts a party called the the National Socialist Workers Party. And uh, his name was Adolf Hitler. And he had a violent group uh, that was attached to his party. They were called Brown Shirts uh, and are nicknamed Sturmabteilung, which means stormtrooper, because they would storm into the meetings of Hitler's political opponents and storm onto the campuses and shout down the speakers. And and then they would uh, lock arms and block access to government buildings and block streets. Could you imagine people doing that? And then they went into the cities and they smashed the windows and looted and set on fire over 7,000 stores in the Jewish-owned stores in the night of broken glass, Kristallnacht. And then their capital got set on fire, but it was actually Hitler's people that had infiltrated and created the, the attack on the capital. But Hitler blamed the attack on his political enemies, and he used it as an excuse to round up all of his political enemies and have them shot without a trial. And when the dust settles, Hitler has no political opponents, and Germany transitions from a Weimar Republic to the Third Reich, and he's ruling as a dictator. And he's taken over Europe. And you see the map of Europe, Czechoslovakia and Hungary and uh, France, all these countries are falling, falling, falling. And the one miracle is Dunkirk, where he just bowls right through Holland and Belgium, and he's got the entire British army and the Dutch army and the Belgian army. and the French. He's got them pinned up against uh, the English Channel. And then he pauses. And historians still wonder today why, maybe to consolidate his air force. Uh, but nevertheless, the days that he pauses, a fog comes in. And then the entire British population, everyone gets their little dinghy boats and fishing boats and ferries. And the, the English Channel is as smooth as glass. And they just have a little, like little ants, they just have a string of boats all the way across the English Channel, and they evacuate over 300,000 British troops. They go back one more time to get as many of the French troops as they can. Unfortunately, they didn't get all the French troops, and the, the Dutch army completely surrendered, the Belgian army surrendered. And But it was a miracle of Dunkirk um, that they were able to evacuate this. Uh, but afterwards, the British, uh, I mean, excuse me, the, the Nazis just march into Paris. And there's pictures of Hitler in front of the Eiffel Tower. And so France had fallen. And uh, so Europe is begging America to come into the war. Uh, FDR had promised 100 times he wouldn't, but finally he does. When the Japanese, who were allied with um, uh, Hitler, uh, attacked at Pearl Harbor. Well, that's right. But, there was um, there was a great uh, there was a great anti-war sentiment in this country after World War One, and uh, people in this country said uh, no more uh, European wars. We're not going, and that went on through uh, you know after World War One through the 30s and. Uh, but uh, eventually, and then, like you said, FDR gave political pledges that he would not get involved with the war. 
so uh, we get in the war. It's um, D-Day, June 6, 1944. Uh, you have 160,000 U.S. troops, uh, also Britain, Canada, Free France, Poland, and others. And they are, uh, it could never happen again because of satellites. Uh, the intelligence tried to make it look like the forces were going to land in southern France or maybe Italy. And even the night before, FDR gives a fireside chat and he's mentioning, you know, different historical things of the invasion of Italy. And so the, the Nazis don't know where he's going to uh, attack. And the, the tide is not right. And so Eisenhower has to make a decision to postpone for one more day, 24 hours. And it's dangerous because if it gets discovered, the whole element of surprise is blown. They parachute a whole lot of Americans behind enemy lines to destroy bridges so that once we attack, the Nazis can't rush reinforcements. Uh, and then they, uh, on D-Day, you have the, the Rangers scaling the cliffs uh, there at Normandy, and, um, and a whole lot of them are getting killed. Uh, but it's called Operation Overlord, and uh, nearly 100,000 Allied troops are marching across Europe, and um, they, within about 11 months, they're able to uh, defeat Hitler. But uh, just a tremendous, the, the Dwight Eisenhower gave an order to his troops uh, for the D-Day. He says, you're about to embark on a great crusade. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. You will bring about the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed of Europe. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, uh, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. Let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Hmm. And so he does. He, he asks for the blessing of the God. And, of course, um, when the, the day of the attack, uh, that's when uh, Dwight, um, excuse me, Franklin Roosevelt gives his famous D-Day prayer. We're talking with Bill Federer of the American Minute, and of course, uh, Bill is uh, constantly putting out information on American history through the American Minute, and you can sign up uh, for the American Minute at the at Amerisearch, or just go to AmericanMinute.com, and if you've not yet uh, logged on to this, this is a great way to get American history every day in your inbox, and actually, it was the American Minute that kind of inspired all this, because this was a little bit of forgotten history. Uh, and uh, it was then on that June 6th of that year uh, when I began to be friends with Bill and learn about uh, the history material that he provided that later became the inspiration for what is the D-Day prayer uh, uh, project of adding FDR's D-Day prayer at the World War II Memorial. You know, uh, Bill, as we went up, uh, grew up, of course, and uh, th there's actually a video of the 20th anniversary where um, Dwight Eisenhower is walking the beaches 20 years after the battle, and it's very interesting to see that perspective. You know, there's a lot of World War II veterans at that point who really were just getting on with their life, and many of them had what we call now PTSD, uh, post-traumatic uh, syndrome, uh, after the war. Many of them acknowledged it later in life that they had a lot of problems of, uh, that they had to process when they saw their friends and and uh, veterans who served with them killed maliciously during the hera uh, hellacious battles that were in, not just in Normandy, but across France, the Hurtgen Forest, the Battle of the Bulge, uh, until the war's end. And Many of them just had these memories. Lots of veterans didn't want to talk about it, but in recent years with the 
uh, friends of the World War II Memorial, of course, and uh, the honor flights. Veterans came in from all across the country to Washington, D.C., and they began telling their stories, and some of them with tears in their eyes years later, remembering their fellow comrades in arms that were fallen uh, on these beaches and in these battles. And, you know, so we always need to think about the veteran, what he or she has been through uh, for the cause of liberty. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it is so important to share those stories, as painful as it is, so that the next generation can be warned against the dangers of things like a, a National Socialist Workers' Party. Uh, when they don't share the stories, their kids think, well, yeah, my, my father was in the war, but he didn't talk about it. Well, guess what? The next generation, they don't even know the, the war took place. And now you have this uh, cutting off of this awareness, and the danger is that it can be repeated. And uh, But I did want to share something out of Franklin Roosevelt's D-Day prayer. Please. Uh, he says, uh, uh, I ask you to join with me in a prayer, Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. I just want to pause there. A struggle to preserve our republic, our religion. Well, what religion? Well, FDR passed out by the millions Gideon's New Testament and Book of Psalms. And he wrote the foreword to it. As commander-in-chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces of the United States. And everyone in the military had to attend one of three services, Protestant, Catholic, or Jewish. And this, so the, when he was talking about our religion, he was definitely talking about the Bible. And he says that they were fighting to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. And then he ends, God uh, gives strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness to their faith. They will need thy blessing. The road will be long and hard. The enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. We know that by thy grace and thy righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them in as thy heroic servants into thy kingdom. Mm. And so uh, Christianity is the only uh, faith that, that calls God Father, right? Um, you know, the uh, in, in, in Islam, Allah has no children. Um, in Hinduism, there's 300 million different gods, that, you know, and atheism, there is no God. And, and so when he's talking Father, he's talking about the Judeo-Christian faith. And then personally, um, one of those that never came back was my uncle, my mom's only brother, uh, Billy Epperson. And he was a second lieutenant on a, a B-17 flying fortress and shot down uh, one month after D-Day, but it was still part of Operation Overlord. And um, so he's and, actually uh, mentioned and, there on the uh, markers in Normandy, I see, on, o on Omaha Beach. Yeah, my, His name is there. Yeah, so if anyone goes to Omaha Beach and you ask the, the tour guide or the park service that, that manages it, the name of your loved one, they will take wet sand and rub the wet sand on the name on the stone monument of your loved one, and the, the moisture will go in and will cause that name to be highlighted oh, I see uh, that. in a dark, darker color, right? Yeah. So my, my cousin uh, my cousin is, is over there, Epi Giles, he goes over there, and he, he sees the name uh, Orville Epperson highlighted. And that's we don't know anybody else that's related because uh, we have a very small family on that side. And so here, out of all the names on there, the one that's highlighted right when he goes up is his uncle and, and my uncle. That's wonderful. Uh, 
Orville Emerson, so somebody must have been there before and and did that. But he felt like it was it was the Lord's providence. But uh, but I want to thank you, Chris, because these men did fight to preserve our republic, our religion, religion, and our civilization. Republic can be summed up in one concept: it's a bottom-up form of government where the people are the king. Uh, whereas totalitarian dictatorships like Hitler's and Stalin's, uh, Imperial Japan, that's top down and our government's bottom up. And the bottom up part means that it's every single citizen gets to be part of the ruling power. The word citizen is Greek. It means co-king. You're a citizen of America. You are a co-king of America, right? We, we pledge allegiance to us being in charge of ourselves. And so they, they fought to preserve our Republic, our religion and our civilization and that's part of the D-Day prayer, and that's what you've championed so hard to be remembered for future generations in stone right there in Washington, D.C. Well, it's been an honor and uh, privilege to work with so many people like yourself, Bill, uh, to make sure that history is not forgotten, but that we remember those sacrifices that were made, and of course that we not repeat history. Uh, Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And so when tyranny once reigned uh, across Europe and around the world, uh, and of course uh, freedom-loving people everywhere, put to marshal of arms of their young sons to fight against tyranny. Uh, We are in threat again at this hour, uh, 77 years after D-Day, when we look at the threats around the world still with communist China and uh, basically what they're doing, and they're on the move in the Far East, and uh, they're influencing in this country. Uh, And uh, actually, we are losing some of our freedoms of freedom of press, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of expression. Uh, these these things are never really, uh, you know, safeguarded unless there's eternal vigilance. You know, as Ronald Reagan said, that we were just one generation away from losing this American republic. And unless we teach our young people American history and uh, teach them of our Constitution, our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, uh, the uh, U.S. Constitution, uh, the Bill of Rights— then they're, they're doomed to uh, glom on to some other philosophy uh, that will be their doom. And so I agree with you, Bill, and you've done so many wonderful uh, tributes and, and basically lectures and books that you've written. Give us the website again so people can follow Bill Fetter and the American Minute. Well, thank you, Chris. It's AmericanMinute.com, AmericanMinute.com. And I do have a, um, uh, a book on FDR and his quotes. <laughs> where he highlights his faith. Here's one of them, for example. This is 1940. FDR says, We guard against the forces of anti-Christian aggression. Another place, Franklin Roosevelt said, Those forces hate democracy and Christianity as two phases of the same civilization. They oppose democracy because it is Christian. They oppose Christianity because it preaches democracy. FDR said, 1941, Preservation of these rights is vitally important not only to us who enjoy them, but to the whole future of Christian civilization. In another place, FDR said, I saw Sevastopol, right over there by Russia and Yalta, and I know that there is not room enough on earth for both German militarism and Christian decency. And then FDR, 1941, May 27th, says, The whole world is divided between pagan brutality and the Christian ideal. We choose human freedom, which is the Christian ideal. 
Today, Christianity is the most persecuted religion on the planet. It's persecuted in the Muslim countries. It's persecuted in China and atheistic countries. It's persecuted in India, where they have a resurgence of radical Hinduism. And it's also persecuted in America, where we have the, the transgendered movement, which is basically code for anti-Christian movement. It undermines every tenet of Christian morality. And if they're, uh, it doesn't just say that you have to accept their behavior. You have to embrace it and celebrate it. And basically, if there's no sin, you, you don't need a Savior. And, and so it undermines all of Jesus's work on the cross. It's very deceptive. But again, it's the Christian principles uh, that are still under attack today. If you want to follow Bill uh, on YouTube, also he has videos and presentation on YouTube. Just look up uh, William Federer. Also on Rumble, I saw some of your videos today, Bill, and they're about four minutes in length, but they're very powerful. And so again, on Rumble and YouTube, you can follow Bill there. And again, the American Minute, if you'd like to purchase one of uh, the DVDs or the books by Bill, and and there's a wide variety of topics, and these make great gifts, by the way. Uh, With Father's Day coming up, you want to think about about giving Dad a book that he'll really appreciate, go to theamericanminute.com and uh, look at a, a whole array of books that uh, Bill has written. There's one called Miracles, uh, uh, number one and number two, Miracles in American History, How God in His Hand of Sovereignty Has Been With Us as a Nation and Delivered Us in Time of Trouble. Uh, all of that is on uh, Bill's website, AmericanMinute.com. Dot com, And then also, we're going to have Bill with us in Washington next year, and you're going to want to make plans for that. We'll have more details about that. We may have Bill here before that, of course, and this next year we'll have him for an event uh, with the Ohio Christian Alliance. We'll make sure that you're aware of that because we always appreciate his uh, presentation on history. He brings the films and the, uh, the slides and, and really walks us through and gives us a greater appreciation uh, of how God has intervened. It's basically his story in history and how that is really something that we need to follow as Christians. Well, Bill, it's been my delight to have you back on the program again. We are looking forward to you being with us in Washington for the dedication. In fact, we're going to lead some tours there uh, with yourself and uh, Dave Barton and some other historians uh, in Washington to not just the World War II Memorial, but also the other memorials, and in Washington to talk about our nation's history. And we look forward to partnering with you on that, Bill. And uh, we're going to make that announcement availability to our folks uh, so they can meet us in Washington for these tours with Bill Fetter. But again, let me give you the website again. That's AmericanMinute.com. And again, if you'd want to learn more about the D-Day Prayer, you want to go to ddayprayerproject.org. Again, that's ddayprayerproject.org. Bill, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you, Chris, and blessings to all the listeners. Thank you. God bless. Well, if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. And tell a friend, uh, listen to News and Focus, and we're on each week at the same time. And we hope also that uh, you'll share it with other people. You can also sign up for our email list. That's at our website at ohioca.org or the Ohio Christian Alliance. And if you'd like to make a contribution to help us stay on the air, we appreciate that. Uh, If you uh, want to mail it in, just uh, write it to the Ohio Christian Alliance, P.O. Box 3076, Akron, Ohio, 44309. 
or you can go online at ohioca.org and make an online contribution. Thank you. We appreciate your support, and God bless you for listening today. We'll be with you next week. God bless. have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.